One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Hey, here we are on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, One Bills Live is the show. Thank you for joining us as uh, we have a team back out on the practice field today. The cold practice field, by the way. With two new members, one on the active roster, one on the practice squad. They are both familiar faces. Brandon Bryant, defensive tackle, number 96 in your program, and a familiar number 11 by the name of Cole Beasley on the practice squad. We'll get to some comments by general manager Brandon Bean, who spoke a little over an hour ago about the addition of Beasley, among other things, including the state of the wide receiver position, the state of the passing game right now. Uh, We'll get to all of those in due course We also have Taron Johnson coming on the show, fresh off the practice field this week. Look forward to talking to him. And uh, we'll give you the latest weather update, especially for you listeners and viewers that are outside the Western New York viewing area. Let me just say, for all the Dolphins players out there that might be listening, (laughs) get your layers ready. Get your layers ready. We're looking at winds 15 to 30 miles per hour now. Snow is happening during the game. Maybe at its it heaviest at kickoff. Day. Yeah, during the day, chances of snow, and at night, it raises the chance of snow. Um, it, like, oof. it's cold. I mean, we were out there watching practice. It's cold, bro. It's so cool. Like sands through the hourglass. I was bumming out. These are the days of our lives. I was bumming out. I went out. Because we got stuff. We can go out there and just bundle up and go, right? So we're out there for, I was out there for 10 minutes. I was like, I patted Brownie on the back and said, bro, that's enough. I'm out. (laughs) Tapping out. I am tapping. 10 minutes. It wasn't even, it wasn't snowing or anything or raining or anything. And the wind wasn't even that bad. It's just like all the way through. The snowy weather is supposed to move in on Friday. And, uh. You know, about three to four inches on Friday. There's supposed to be more measurable so snow on Saturday. Now, the tricky part here is we've heard the local meteorologists talk for the last couple of days about a lake effect snow event that is supposed to set up shop yeah. right at kickoff with its heaviest lake effect bands here in Orchard Park at that time, around 8.15 p.m. The other thing that I haven't heard them mention at all There's a storm in the Midwest right now. It's over Lake Michigan. And they have a winter storm warning there in the Chicago area. They're supposed to get about eight inches of snow in their forecast for a winter storm. Now, Steve, you and I have lived here long enough to know most of the time what Chicago gets, we usually get a day later. That's supposed to hit them on Thursday. So my question, because I haven't, looked at it closely enough, nor do I know enough about forecasting weather. Is that going to combine with, are we going to have like a, a confluence of snow events? I feel sick. <laughs> Look, uh, you and I both know, and we joke about it all the time. We just went through this in November, right? With yeah. the 60 inches we got, uh, 65, I think at my house, but <clears throat> when they predict snow in Buffalo, they don't miss. Well, definitely, if they're still talking about it two days out. 
Two days out, it's a lock. They don't miss. Yeah, two days out, it's a lock. And if they get a lake effect band like we've seen in the last month at 8.15, at kickoff, by the third quarter, you're like, it's too deep to shovel, bro sleeve. Yeah. Especially if it's falling at a rate of two to three inches an hour. Dude. (laughs) It's nasty. Okay, so... In the spirit of this forecasted weather event, which is going to make this game all the more interesting, especially for TV viewers at home, if it looks like a snow globe here at Highmark, um, we decided to reprise our roles as (laughs) primetime football introduction announcers. We did this back in week two, I believe, in advance of the Monday night football game between the Bills and the Titans. And since that went awfully well for Buffalo... Steve and I would thought we would do it this time. Now, we realize it is not Monday Night Football. This is a game that's going to appear on NFL Network. So we pulled up the NFL Network football theme. Now, Steve, did you, did you want to go first or did no, you want to go, go second? No, go first. Okay. So I, Steve went first the last time. I will go first this time. We're each going to try our hand at um, doing the primetime football lead-up to the telecast. Okay, so I will go first. Steve will go second. Guys, you can roll the music whenever you're ready. It's a game of epic proportions. As the reeling Miami Dolphins loses of two straight, wrap up a three-game road stretch against the Buffalo Bills, who have won four in a row. In the frigid confines of Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, New York, where the tables aren't broken but flipped, from what the conditions were in week three when a shorthanded Bills team had to deal with the unforgiving heat of 120 degrees on their sideline in the blazing sun as players wilted in the conditions. Now, a Samoan by heritage and Hawaiian by birth brings the Dolphins to Western New York where they'll be met not only by the AFC conference leader but blowing snow, 15 to 30 mile per hour winds and wind chills in the teens. For a quarterback who has never played in a snow game, Tua in pregame warm-ups was quite literally shivering. There were even goosebumps on his face, something that's never been witnessed on a human before. We also saw dry ice being put under both benches before the game, and Gatorade buckets replaced by snow cone machines. With up to a foot of measurable snow possible on the ground, Tua and the Dolphins won't be building sandcastles, but igloos! Bill's Mafia is ready. Old Man Winter is ready. Steve Tasker is shouting it might be chilly. It's the Shivering Dolphins and Buffalo Bills. Saturday Night Football next! What do you think? Not bad. Maybe a little overstated. I never, I don't go that long. I'm all, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, to the, short to the sweet. Uh, because I, I like it, though. It was good. It was good. I want these conditions to be completely unbearable for the Dolphins in a way you can't possibly imagine. <laughs> All right, here we go. I literally want to see them shivering on the go. sideline. All right, here we go. All right, All right Steve uh, is going to take, take the two. Music. Welcome to Saturday Night Football on the NFL Network. These two teams, week three, saw the Buffalo Bills wilt in the heat of September, losing by three points to a surging Miami Dolphins team led by Tua Tonga-Vailoa and Tyreek Hill. 
But Buffalo has since recovered and now stands atop the entire AFC, while the Dolphins have continued to flirt with Super Bowl aspirations. Tonight, this AFC East rematch could keep alive the Dolphins' hopes for taking back a division they haven't won since 2008. And for Buffalo, it's a chance to clinch a playoff berth and to prove that revenge is a dish best served cold. Ooh, I like the finish a lot. I like the finish a lot. (laughs) Woo! Fun stuff. I'm ready to put a helmet on. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Wow. A dish best served cold. I love it. Ah, and it will be served cold. Yes, it will. 26 degrees Bro, is it supposed is. to be the air temp. We're out there today. It's 33 today. It's supposed to be <laughs> It's supposed to be 23 on Saturday night. <laughs> 30 I was out there in 33. It was cold, man. Yeah. And the wind's not even blowing today. And the big story of the week is the the Dolphins were in LA last Sunday. It was 50 degrees, and they had, 55. they had heaters on their benches. It was 55. <laughs> they are in a – Bill's fans are wearing shorts in the stands in 55-degree weather. Yeah. It, they don't – I don't know if they know what they're in for here. You, can, you can turn your AC and your practice bubble down as much as you want. You, you're not getting – It's going to be bad. It's going to be really, really bad. And it was bad this last week. I, this is going to be colder than it was last week. And it was it was brutal last week. Yeah, last time the Bills played in frigid conditions, I recall them scoring forty-seven points. Just saying, on New England, <laughs> it was bad. Minus five with the wind chill. Yeah, it was it was very cold that game. So very. So let's just you know, and I'm far be it for me to do the math on wind chill, but if it's twenty-six air temperature, and 15, getting colder as the night goes on, and fifteen, 15 mile per hour winds, steady fifteen mile per hour winds. Let me let me yeah, see if they. There's got to be a windshield calculator, there's, right? You would think we can we can find that on the internet. Too. I mean, why not? I mean, let's it's let's just int- let's just spell it all out. It's the intranet. So Fahrenheit it. 26. If the winds are sustained at 15 miles per hour, the real feel will be 13. <laughs> so that'll cut it in half. If we get up because it said 15 to 30, so I guess gusting. So when it gusts to 20, it'll feel like 12. The gusts to 30, it'll feel like nine. Single digits. Giddy up! Giddy so, up yeah, um, it's, it's going to be cold. Really cold. It is really I, it's cold. not a seven-layer game like the Here's Patriots the, uh, playoff right. game was, but yeah, that, it's probably a four-layer game. That game against the Patriots, and I went back and watched it a couple of times, um, you can see on the All-22 and even in the, in the condensed version or on the broadcast – there's 22 guys out on the field. You can tell when every one of them exhales. There's like it's like a an old steam engine. Like, yeah, the frost is just blowing out of every helmet on every breath. It it looks like, um, you know, Dawson Knox in short. It sleeves. looks like an yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, Digs it, it really short looks, sleeves. It looks like a pipe organ, you know, yeah. with all the the steam coming out of there. So, uh, it's going to be that kind of game. Uh, fans will know. I mean, we'll, people here in Western New York are going to be geared up for it, of course. But, man, oh, man, oh, man, uh, there ain't no hiding from that. So, we've got Cole Beasley on the field today. Uh, he is on the practice squad. And Brandon Bean, as we said, addressed the media a little over an hour ago uh, as he addressed 
the addition of one Cole Beasley. And we'll get to some of his comments here shortly. I think maybe the biggest thing to take away from that, actually, let's do this first. Let's get the practice updates out to you. First, practice updates presented by LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. And the news is this. Ryan Bates, Jordan Phillips, Matt Milano not practicing. Ed Oliver and Reggie Gilliam limited in practice today. Ed Oliver's dealing with a pec injury. Reggie Gilliam's still trying to come back from that ankle injury that held him out of last week's game. Phillips, as we know, missed last week's game with the shoulder injury. Bates suffered the ankle injury in the game last week. And Milano's still dealing with the knee that had him questionable going into last week's game. It looks like that is something he's just going to have to deal with for at least the immediate future. So I would anticipate he is going to be a, you know, a non to limited participant for the next few weeks until it writes itself. And whether it can or not, I don't know. But I think that's, that's going to be a thing that's managed, I guess, is the best way to put it yeah. on, on Milano. So right. um, uh, hopefully uh, they give him the proper rest, and then he gets enough reps. He can play in the game just like he did last week. Yeah. Because he played the whole game last it'll week. It'll be interesting because, yeah, he just it's, you can understand what it is. You take a couple of steps forward, you start feeling better, then you play a game, you take a step back. Or you take a knock on it. Yeah, or, yeah. you take a whack on it or something. And then, you know, you, you take a few ne- more steps forward and you get knocked back again by another game. It just takes a long time to get, get on top of it. We saw the same thing, really, with Josh's elbow. Um, you know, he fought through it and could throw it, but he wasn't throwing much during the week. Right. Um, and then you throw it in the game, then, okay, then you, you don't go back to the square one, but you go back to square three, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of where you're at. And these these – Games like this, this late in the season, everybody's managing something. You know, sore ankle. I mean, even, you know, Gabe Davis and his sore ankle. Um, you know, Jordan Poyer's still lugging around that elbow that he did way back in, you know, early in the season. He's still wearing the brace. So you got all these guys that are managing symptoms of injuries. And it's, it's re- it really is on the front burner. You know what I mean? It's that management, getting guys on the field uh, and having them take part and be productive is, I mean, the, the sports science guys and the, and the athletic tra- the trainers and the medical staff, they are, it is all hands on deck for all of them. They are, they've got everything going trying to focus on these players, getting them healthy and feeling good enough to play, not just to get on the field, but to play well. That's yeah. what they've been very good at in years past, and they continue to be. As you know, Matt Milano is a perfect example. He is indeed. Uh, but let's get to some of the comments by one Brandon Bean earlier today, just before the noon hour, when he addressed the signing of one Cole Beasley. Obviously, Cole's a unique signing uh, this time of year. Um, kind of the way it came about was Cole um, reached out a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think it was it was right after Thanksgiving. Um, he called and just said, "Listen, I know I retired, but um, I still am open to playing. Um, I know you guys have had some injuries there, and and what you know, I don't know if the door's closed um, or not. But um, if you know, I'm interested. If you guys are interested, so that's kind of how it started. Um, we talked for ten, fifteen minutes." life, family, whatever. And then uh, I just said, listen, we'll we'll think about it internally, talk about it. Um, 
also dealing with injuries here. I got to find a roster spot if we were to do it. So that's kind of how it started. Told him I'd call him later that week. Um, we played, let's see, we played New England again that week on a Thursday. I think I checked in with him that weekend and just said, listen, we're still dealing with some injuries. You know, Jordan Phillips had just gotten hurt. Um, trying to figure out, you know, if it made sense and how it would, um, how we'd get him on the roster. And so late last week, I called him and just said, listen, Cole, I don't know that I can get you on the 53. Um, you know, we'd, we'd be interested in bringing you back, but, you know, you'd have to be open to a practice squad spot. And so um, he said he was, and I said, well, let us get through this game, and then I'll call you, and we'll either say yay or nay. Let's either do it or not to, you know, you're running out of time in, in, in the games of the season to get him back in the flow. So I uh, called him Monday morning, and we got him on a flight within a couple hours. And, and so that's kind of how it all um, – you know, we've lost a couple of guys this year in Kumaro and, and way back Crowder. So we're down to four. And, you know, Isaiah – you know, the plan at the beginning of the year was Isaiah and Crowder were going to kind of split the role. And, we just, you know, Cole kind of feels what we've lost with Crowder from that standpoint. So it kind of all made sense. You, uh, you played very briefly with the Bucks this year. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you looked at the film. There wasn't a lot to look at. But yeah. Does it look like, you know, he still can do what Cole Beasley used to do? Yeah. He, you know, he, he didn't play a lot of snaps. Um, but what you saw, he still got his separation quicks. I trust his hands. I mean, like I said it was it was a very limited amount to say, oh, yes. But... Um, you know, we'll get him back out here. And there's, um, you know, there's no promises on either side where his snaps will go to when he's ready for a game, whether he's ready for a game this week, whether it's next week, whatever. It's just kind of, hey, come jump in the team, help us any way you can. That's his mindset, and that's our mindset. Wasn't a clean departure in some ways with Cole, you know, back going on social media this summer saying, I won't regret leaving the Bills. How do you deal with that part of that? Um, you know, when, when that when it, did, it, did it come up in conversation? How did you, how, how did you approach that part? Yeah, uh, that's a good question, John. I mean, I think you know, knowing Cole, um, you know, Cole wears his emotions on his sleeves. Um, that's what makes you know, for a small guy, tough. And you know, we we in a roundabout way talked about things, and um, you know, no one's perfect. Um, deep in his heart, Cole's a good person, and I think ultimately. Um, we appreciated who he was when he was here and, um, you know, did everything finish the way he or, or we wanted, you know, perfectly, probably not. Um, but I think a healthy respect on both sides and, and, you know, I think that's why you, you, you keep it open You never close the door. Do you, are you hopeful? Do you think you could use another move the chains option against some elite defenses? Yeah, I mean, I think Cole provides you that he's, you know, the way we've used him, he's an extension of the run game, Mark. Um, it's, an, you know, when people are just um, trying to take away the deep stuff um, and you need those guys finding the holes, you know, in the middle when you got to throw it third and three, third and five, whatever, whatever the, you know, the down and distance is. I think Cole has proven to be that. Um, and again, we got to, this is, this is the first time in, Ken Dorsey's offense, not a lot's changed. Ken's got his own wrinkles on it, but um, he'll have to fit into that as well. How much did uh, Josh have an input on this? Did you contact him and get, get his? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, um, the next week, I think 
I think at some point Cole, maybe after he had talked to me, you know, I think he probably mentioned a couple of guys that he reached out and, you know, would be interested. So Josh actually came up to me at some point and said, hey, you talked to Cole? And I was like, yeah, I did. And and he said, what do you, you know, what are you thinking? And I just said, I'm still thinking, you know, and, and it's not just as simple as bringing Cole back. It's I got to figure out the roster piece here as well. But, um, yeah, of course, I said, well, you know, how do you think he'd fit? You know, in, in our room, and you you want to make sure not just as a player, everything walk back in, fit like he never left type thing. And, and of course, Josh, he felt like everything would be great if 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 we did make the move. Is it unrealistic to think he could play Saturday? I don't think it's unrealistic. Um, no, I I think you know yesterday we just had a walkthrough, so you know I think we'd have to see and and make sure what we do, wouldn't want to do if we played him is have have him have a setback like. You know, he's not in football shape. You know, I know he, he went and, you know, when I checked in with him a couple of times, he started running routes again. I think he was playing basketball mainly, but um, started running routes. Uh, I don't think he had a pro quarterback throwing to him, but, you know, he was trying to get himself in shape. So, um, you know, that would be up for, you know, Sean and, and Dorsey and Chad Hall to determine if he's ready to roll, along with our medical staff, to make sure there's no concern about, you know, the soft tissue stuff. Also mentioned Jamison earlier and how kind of Cole could fill that role. Yeah, is there still a possibility Jamison returns? I think it's still a possibility. Yes, yeah, he's still working his way back. You know, not been cleared or anything like that, and he would need to work himself. It's been so long back into football shape using the window. So, um, you know, I think he's improving. Um, I don't, I, I don't know if it's a couple weeks, three weeks. I'm not quite sure how close he is, but, um, yeah, we'd be open to, you know, him back um, if, you know, once deemed healthy. This is more of kind of an X's and O's kind of question, but that position, whether it be Jameson's injury or uh, performance-related maybe with Isaiah, whatever, that dimension of the offense and with whatever's going on with, with on that side of the ball with it being able to reach its highest gear at the most important time, that's been the narrative, obviously, and what people see. Mm -hmm. how, how much has the lack of an answer at that slot receiver position affected things in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, um, every year is a new year. Adam, every, you know, every season has its own ups and downs. Again, um, I think Crowder was really doing a good job through the preseason, and, and he and Josh were you know, kind of getting their groove going. Isaiah, you know, was going to continue his role and, and maybe a little bit more than in, in years past, but his role definitely expanded, you know, when Crowder went out. And so you're always trying to find answers for every defense. And, um, you know, it's hard when you, Cole Beasley against zone defense is, you know, he's got a really innate feel. He sees the game. It's very similar to how Josh sees it. Not a lot of guys see it, you know, that clear happening like that, you know, and that's that's one of his strengths, why a guy his his size has had such such success in the league and in this offense. All right, that's GM Brandon Bean addressing the media about uh about right about two hours ago. And yeah. he was uh, just kind of spelling out how bringing Cole Beasley back to the roster, albeit on the practice squad, came to fruition. Uh, some of the other things that he mentioned were important. Jamison Crowder still has a chance to get back to the roster before the end of the season, although it sounds like it's going to be closer to the end of the season. We've seen him working on the side with the strength and conditioning staff and some athletic trainers 
the last couple of weeks that we thought, oh, maybe he's close, but it looks like it might be towards the tail end of the season, like week 17, 18 at the earliest. Uh, other things that Brandon Bean addressed that we did not play for you because it just kind of went on and on and on. <clears throat> <laughs> well, no, it was it was Man. longer than we have time for. That's right. really the issue. Exactly. Uh, but Brandon said the Cole Beasley signing is mutually exclusive from their interest in Odell Beckham Jr. He said that they haven't closed the door on Odell just because they signed Cole Beasley. So those two things are mutually exclusive. And then he also was asked about Jay Kumaro, who's another receiver on IR right now, and his answer was he is not ready. And even when he is ready, he will need ramp-up time. So it's going to be a while for him as well. So you kind of understand why the team, which has been thin at wide receiver with four on the active roster, add John Brown and Cole Beasley the last few weeks. Yeah. You need guys you can trust who can who can play. Uh, that's it. I mean, it's not it's not complicated, and you don't need them for a whole season. You don't need them to be great right away. You don't need them to take a hundred percent of the offensive snaps. You just need them to be ready, and when they come in, perform, uh, and then theoretically, in best case scenario, they go back to the bench when the other guy's healthy or when they get back to full strength uh, at other places. So, um, it's. The right time to do it, it's – these are the guys who, who you're going to bring in. John Brown's already proven he can still get loose. Uh, Cole Beasley, I was watching him in, in you know, practice. And, yeah, he looks cap- – he still looks capable to me of getting some separation and catching the ball where Josh needs him in those third down. You know, that he's got that short area explosion that he can get away from a guy quick and have the ball be there. Um and you know how tough he is. And I played in the playoff game with a busted leg. So he'll be ready when the Bills line it up if they need him. And that's exactly what you're looking for at this time of year. So it makes a lot of sense, particularly the guys they've signed. Brandon Bryant, Cole Beasley, John Brown. So I'm – They're all injury-related if you yes, think about it. Yes, they're all injury-related. And that's something the Bills haven't been through in a couple of years. So here we are. Yeah. And – there is a decision that will have to be made at the end of the week. We saw John Brown get called up to the game day roster from the practice squad two weeks ago in New England, played 15 snaps, got elevated again last week and played. Brandon Bean said he wouldn't rule out Beasley being up for Saturday night's game. So what we're talking about here is – Route running capabilities, how sharp is he? You know, are his, are his skills a little rusty that he's got to knock some rust off this week and then maybe be a factor being on the active roster next week? Or are we, you know, concerned about his level of fitness and conditioning where soft tissue injuries become a concern? These are all things that are going to have to be weighed and assessed not only by the coaching staff, but by the athletic training staff. Like, right. hey, guys – Based on his conditioning level, if you play him, the risk of a hamstring injury is 70%. Or, you know, I'm just spitballing here because I don't know exactly how it works. But these guys have it down to a science in there. Yeah, it's 
Yeah, it's about as high level as you can get. I mean, they're at the top of the food chain in that field. So all of that's going to be weighed before they say, yeah, let's dress yeah, him. But, yeah, but like we always know, when a team's desperate, some of those, some of those rules get bent. You know, uh, some of the good, you know, the stuff you'd like to do becomes impossible because of time constraints, because of deadlines, because of game. You got to kick it off and you need the guy. So if he wants to go and he's ready, whether you've vetted him thoroughly enough or not, bro, you're in. Yeah. That's the way it goes. We're not at that point yet for these guys. Right. And then if he is in, how much does he play? That's the next question. Right. Because John Brown, his first, like, if you just want to use him as a barometer, you know, John Brown goes to New England, he's here for a week, plays 15 snaps. Is that what we should expect for Beasley, or do we expect a little bit more? Well, a lot of that's probably going to be predicated on how he looks in practice today and tomorrow and what the athletic training staff deems his fitness level to be. I'll say this, though. We talk about this all the time, Brownie. If they come in and they look good and, they, and they're playing and the Bills feel like they're the best option in a given situation, they're going to be on the field. John Brown was that on the, in the Jet game and the New England game. Uh, there were a couple of instances where he was on there and he was the guy and we're throwing it at him. You can bet Beasley's going to be in that same situation as well. The question is, well, there's a couple of questions actually. One, if somebody's hurt and they plug those guys in, what happens if that guy gets better the next week or they back out? And if they, if they aren't healthy next week, can these guys, you know, at, at their advanced age and the fact they're just fresh back, can they go long can they take a lot of snaps and a lot of games in a row? That's a question. Break time for us here when we come back. One of the people who will be on the NFL Network broadcast Saturday night, former defensive back in the NFL for over 10 seasons. One Jason McCourty joins us next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Time now for us to catch up with the guy who's going to be the color analyst on Westwood One Radio when the Bills host the Dolphins Saturday night. He's also the co-host of Good Morning Football. And, you know, he played a little bit in this league, 13 seasons. <laughs> it's uh, one Jason McCourty joining us on the line here. Jason, uh, welcome to One Bills Live. How you been? I've been good. Appreciate you guys having me. I can't complain. I'm enjoying uh, the transition to retired life. Yeah, I yeah, I always get asked. I got that asked when I when I retired from playing. And I always told people I recommended retirement if you could swing it. <laughs> no doubt about it. I, I couldn't have drawn up my transition into the sports media world any better. My wife still likes me. I'm still allowed in the house now that I'm there more. So everything is everything's on the up and up. That's good stuff. All right. Well, let's begin here, Jason. Um, especially being a former defensive back yourself. The Dolphins, uh, the offense has kind of hit the skids the last two weeks. And San Francisco and the Chargers took two different approaches to Tua in that passing game. San Fran played a lot more zone. Chargers came out and pressed him up uh, and shut down the middle of the field. Both were successful. Um, what do you make of the last two weeks in terms of the defensive approach to that Dolphins passing attack? and the way in which Miami struggled to execute against both of those approaches. Yeah, it's funny you say that because Miami struggled on offense the last two weeks. And um, 
a lot has been grouping those two games together and saying, all right, what did San Francisco and the Chargers do alike that shut down two? And to your point, it's two totally different approaches. The 49ers are a defense where they're stacked on each and every level. So they go in week in and week out, and they just do what they do. They play zone schemes because they're front four with Bolsa and Armstead. They can get after any quarterback across the NFL. They have really good linebackers, Warner and Greenlaw, who understand and know how to drop into those coverages and know how to identify where the threats are. But then you watch the Chargers on Sunday night versus Miami. They took a totally different approach. We're not going to let Waddle and Tyreek Hill, we're not going to let these speed guys run on air and attack us while we're playing back and we're playing passive. We're going to get up there, we're going to get in their face, and we're going to take away the take away the space early on. And they did so with a safety deep to protect them. And then somebody on the other side of the field to protect the inside. So the Chargers and the 49ers both took vastly different approaches. But the one thing I think that married up with both of them is continue to put the pressure on Tua Tungabailoa, not allowing him to be comfortable and trying to force him to throw the ball outside the numbers uh, when we all know the anticipation and his accuracy, which he loves, is hitting those routes coming into the middle. And it, they both teams did a really nice job and make, you know, how we've seen it a hundred times with Tua. He drops back those three steps and that ball is out on time. And if you can jump on those routes or get somebody on that and make him double clutch it, he his game starts to deteriorate a little bit. But we all know it, and it's not that easy to do. What's it take for um, – do you have – 49ers got a great front. They can do it. Uh, the Chargers, not so much. Uh, what's it take if a team doesn't have that great front four to do that to Tua? I think what the Chargers did really well was they weren't afraid to challenge. And I think when you have cornerbacks on the outside that are used to week in and week out playing man-to-man, Asante Samuel, uh, Michael Davis, those were guys that were totally comfortable standing at the line of scrimmage and not being afraid of the speed of Tyreek Hill and the speed of Jalen Waddle. And you think about it, those guys play for the Chargers. They they played against Tyreek Hill in that offense. They've had to go up against it. So they were comfortable in that space. And although Tyreek Hill has killed them at times when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs, both of those guys did a really good job of getting in his space and challenging them. And the one thing that Miami does is they try to get Tyreek Hill and Waddle on the move, those missile motions, and then getting them up the field, not allowing DBs to stand at the line of scrimmage and press them. The Chargers, Brandon Staley, and what they did is when that motion was coming, guys were walking down to take away that space and forcing those guys to run around them and keeping their inside leverage, not allowing those quick slants and those routes that come in to the middle of the field. So you think about for Buffalo on Saturday night, I look at Buffalo as a team as they're not going to change their entire game plan to go against Tua and to go against this offense. Buffalo is a team with Leslie Frazier as a defensive coordinator. They do what they do, and they do it really well. They go out there, they'll blitz you a little bit, but a lot of it is playing zone and keeping the ball in front of you. And if you're able to do that to Miami's offense, you limit them drastically. All right, so let's uh, let's take a look at the Dolphins' defense here, Jason, because uh, the defense that you played for just last year, it's the same D.C. Uh, who's, in, who's in charge. And for some reason, I don't know what happens on the road. Uh, they're like a top three defense at home in terms of points allowed, 15.4 points allowed per game. On the road, they're over 31 points a game. It's last in the league. They can't get off the field. They have like the lowest three and out percentage in the league. Um, what what's going on on that side of the ball? You know that crew. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain the drastic differences from 
home in a way because there's so many variables. It can be warm in Miami, it can be warm on the roll. So it's hard to explain the difference between the two. Uh, but if you, even if you look at that first game in Miami where Buffalo played them, it was so hot and that can be an advantage. Obviously, this week all we're talking about is how cold it's going to be in Buffalo and now that's an advantage for them. But Miami is a defense that is built on being able to play man-to-man and having guys on the outside and cornerbacks and Xavier Howard a year ago was Byron Jones on the other side. Having guys that can play man-to-man and then being able to bring pressure and making your quarterback uncomfortable. And for Miami this year, they've had games where it's done, it's done really well and the games where it hasn't. And they've been really banged up in the secondary. You just look at that first game against Buffalo. I mean, you had Nick Needham out there, a guy who's now injured, won't be out there in the game. Another guy in Brandon Jones who was out there who forced a fumble on Josh Allen, who's a very aggressive blitzer and tackler. He's injured. He won't be out there. So I think some of these things go to when you're facing injuries, especially when you have a defense that's built on being able to cover people in the back end. It makes it a lot more difficult to figure out how to attack and what to do. But I can't put my finger on why they play so well at home and why they've struggled so much on the road. One of the things that seems different about this Dolphin team has even gotten better since even the first matchup in week three is their front four. Christian Wilkins is really playing extremely well. I mean, he is he was almost unblockable in that Charger or in the Charger game this last Sunday night. Um, he really seemed like he was exploding off the ball. And Jalen Phillips, his athleticism, which seemed to be non-existent a year ago when he was young, and this year with McDonald, they've really unleashed him, and he seems like he's quite the player they thought he was going to be when they drafted him. What a, talk about this front four, how it's evolved in this short time. Yeah, uh, I'll start with Jalen Phillips, the guy you just mentioned at the tail end of that question. This is a guy that athleticism has been there. This is a guy, when he showed up in training camp last year, we all do a condition test. All 32 teams in the NFL do it when you show up for training camp, making sure guys are in shape. And as often you have the bigs run together, the offensive linemen, the defensive linemen. Then you have what we call the mids, the running backs, linebackers, tight ends. And then you have your skill, your wide receivers and DBs. Jalen Phillips can fall in between kind of that defensive line and linebackers. He ran with the skill position. The times that we had to run on our on our conditioning test, he ran with us as DBs and wide receivers and was not trailing behind at all. So this is a guy that is extremely athletic. And you talk about making a jump from year one to year two. Guys have such an understanding of what you're trying to do on defense. But on top of that, you have an expectation of what the season is going to be like. As a rookie, you have no idea what you're walking into. It's a long year from college to bowl games to training for the combine and all of those things. Year two, you know, and Christian Wilkins has just been a monster, and it's a contract year for him, man. He's taking advantage of it. He's a leader on that team and, and, and in that locker room, man. He's a guy that comes out and plays every single Sunday, and I think with him, you see the desire and the love to just play football. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. You see him antagonizing and doing things to his opponents, trying to get under their skin. That's the way he plays the game. And another guy you didn't mention is Zach Steeler. He's a guy in the middle of the defense that disrupts things and doesn't get a ton of credit. But in those third and shorts, fourth and shorts, he's often the guy making the play. And obviously they've added Bradley Chubb and then Melvin Ingram has been there. And Ingram had a huge impact in that first game, being able to make plays and have some tackles on Josh Allen that were really good. So, their front has played really well, and Miami's a team that brings a lot of pressure, but I think this front also allows Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator, to be able to say, hey, let me just let my guys rush and force everybody else to stay in coverage and keep their eyes on the quarterback. 
All right, I'm curious, Jason, you know, because you, you'll have more of an outside perspective. We kind of suffer from Bill's myopia here, uh, talking about it all the time. Bills are on a four-game winning streak, but their point total has decreased each successive week on that streak. They've made a concerted effort to try to diversify their offense, kind of improve their run game, so it's something they can turn to if and when they need it, especially late in the season or in a weather situation like we might have Saturday night. But some fans get a little a little nervous about that because they've become accustomed to seeing this explosive passing offense the last two years, and they haven't really seen it the last few weeks. What is the outside perspective, outside maybe, of Buffalo and Western New York? Like, is there any concern that the Bills can't turn back to that at the drop of a hat? Can they turn back to that at the drop of a hat? I think that question is more, uh, will they need to? I think – I'm a guy, I guess the last three, four years of my career, I've been forced to play against uh, the alien that you guys play with that quarterback and Josh Allen. And I think that's the gift and the curse. This guy is so good that when he's not jumping over people, when he's not throwing the ball 70 yards in the air uh, to Diggs or, or Gabe Davis, you sit there and you're just like, well, what's going on? Is his elbow hurting? Uh, is he second guessing himself because he had a stretch of the three games with the six interceptions? But to me, as I watched them, I was I was there in person for the game uh, in Foxborough in New England where they were those guys. And I was impressed by the way they were able to control the game. They went in that third and fourth quarter and it was just like, all right, we're going to hand the ball off to Singletary and to James Cook. And we're going to let them do their thing. We're not going to force Josh Allen to feel like he has to be a hero every time we step foot on the field. If we can find ways to win with running the ball and doing different things, then why not do it? There have been times over the years where I played against this offense where you finish out the game and you look at the running game and Singletary averaged six yards a carry, but he only had seven carries. And I think for them, when you look at how you can be the best offense you possibly can be, the connection with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, that's not going anywhere. When those guys need to make a play, they're able to make a play. When Josh Allen needs to throw the ball 50 yards down the field, he's throwing the ball down the field. The game this past week versus the New York Jets was a game and terrible conditions. Another one where you, it may not be as easy to throw the ball and make all of these completions. But for me, a win is a win. When you're a football team late in the season and you're finding ways to win games that calluses you and that prepares you for what the playoffs are going to be like and how it's hard to finish games down the stretch because everybody's playing for their season. Jason, thanks, man. Really appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Have a good broadcast on Saturday night. That's Jason McCourty joining us, co-host of Good Morning Football, and also going to be the color analyst on Westwood One's national broadcast of the game on Saturday night between the Bills and the Dolphins. We ran out of time. We didn't get to talk to him about bundling up and stuff. Uh, we did before he came on a little bit, and he was saying, yeah, I'm not – Sitting not, out in that stuff anymore. He's not a he's not a fan of the cold. I, mean, well, I don't know if anybody is, but yeah, yeah. But he played his last season in Miami, so I just kind of wonder what goes through those guys' heads when they know they're coming up to these conditions, conditions they really haven't played in yet this season. Um, we'll talk more about that when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Bills tickets, check. Face paint, check. Your favorite apple with the epic crunch, Snapdragon apples. 
Available now at Wegmans. Fuel your day with Snapdragon apples, the official apple of your Buffalo Bills. Uh, we were talking about the weather that is forecast for the game on Saturday night. Um, and based on my cursory research, Steve, <laughs> Tua Tagovailoa has never played, never played in a snow game. He played in a game in which there was freezing rain in Tennessee. And let's just say it did not go well uh, for Tua and the Dolphins. Yeah. So um, I am going to try to pull that game up to get his official stats. But he has never played in a snow game. He has only played in a freezing rain game and obviously some rainy conditions yeah. in college. Here's and playing for my Here's what I'm getting. On my little weather thing that I'm on, it says uh, Saturday, the December 17th in Orchard Park, New York. Snow during the morning, transition to snow showers during the afternoon. What's the difference between snow and snow showers? I, I don't know. All right. Anyway, temps nearly steady in the low to mid-30s. Winds west-southwest at 10 to 15. Chance of snow 60%, 1 to 3 inches expected. So then you go to the night, says Saturday night, which I don't know where it turns over in the night, but periods of snow, low 23, winds 5 to 10, chance of snow, 70%, accumulating 1 to 3. Yeah, but they're saying the snow band may set up here right at kickoff. You're going to get a whole lot more than 1 to 3 inches. Yeah, it could be the fact that you get the 1 to 3 inches in about 10 minutes. <laughs> You know, yeah, we've seen that happen. Okay, so I found the game. Tua Tagovailoa. What year? This is last year. Last year. January 2nd, 2022, Miami at Tennessee, week 17. Freezing rain, 34 degrees, and winds 10 to 12 miles per hour. Miami and their quarterback. Here are his stats. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. 18 of 38 for a 47% completion percentage, 205 yards, and a pick. Um, he was also sacked four times for a loss of 23 yards. The Dolphins lost that game 34-3. to Ooh. That is the only game that comes even remotely close to a snow game. And it was it was freezing was it? rain. What was the at temperature? Tennessee. What was the temperature? Thirty four. That ain't cold. That ain't cold enough, bro. It's I read somewhere cold. it's going to be in the twenties. That Tua has only played in games in which it was under fifty degrees six times in his career. Under fifty in in the pros or is in that the pros? Is, yeah, okay. in the pros. All right, because this <clears> is only his third season. Right. Um. And I think he only – I don't know if he has a win. That's, that's crazy because the guy's in the AFC East, and he plays in New York, Buff, in New Jersey, Buffalo, and Boston, in New England. Those are all three northern cities, and he's yeah. dodged that so far. Well, he's, he's, he was injured this year. Well, that was early in the season. It's not going to be cold then. Mm -hmm. um, and don't forget, his first year, he didn't play until like week seven because Fitz was playing. Right. So I, I don't I think the opportunities have not been as many as you might have thought. Right. So Yeah, and all they were at they were at Cincinnati, at New York, 
at Baltimore. Those were all in September and early October. Yeah, there's a winter storm warning in northern Wisconsin and northern Illinois from noon today until 9 a.m. on Thursday. I wonder how much of that Dude, might that impact comes this us way, coming this way. We're neck deep in it if that comes well, this yeah, way. Yeah, you're looking at more like a foot then, I would think, than three inches, six you inches. You know you're in trouble. If Let me just say this. If Governor Hockel, Hochul, if Governor Hochul has another press conference on, like, Thursday. Yeah, I don't think we're looking at anything like that. That's when you worry, when they're going to say, okay, everybody, here we go. That's, that's when you really worry. When, when Byron Brown gets on the air and goes, all right, everybody, we're going to buckle up. <laughs> right? Yeah. Mark Poland cars got his hands up going, okay, everybody, just hang on just for a minute. We got, you know? When those people start showing up on two days ahead of the storm, that's when you really worry. Yeah. That hasn't happened yet. No. But it's not. It's but too it early. It's too early. But it could. If that ha- it'll happen within the next forty-eight hours if they're going to do that. Listen, it's going to be cold all day, and then it's going to get really. And you know, we all know it. When the sun goes down, it gets even colder. Just oof. and if the wind is what they say it's going to be, I mean, you don't want. Like I said, I was man. doing. I was doing the wind chill calculator. We had it I down mean, to uh, like ten, twelve degrees. I mean, I. I you really, you really have to plan how you're going to dress, when you're going, what you're going to wear. Your hand, you got to have those little hand warmer thing. You got to have every. You really got to get out there and say, okay, here's what I'm going to do, and you got to be right. Because if you miss it, you got to leave. Yeah, yeah, you can't last the whole game. One uh, other thing I left out from that Tennessee game that Tua played yeah. in freezing rain that they lost yeah, with, thirty-four to three. With the interception, he fumbled three times. Ooh. Well, ball security. Yep. It's going to be a whole different ball of wax than we saw in week three. We have to take a break here. Steve and I back with our number two as we discuss Bill's Dolphins in further detail. And don't forget, once practice is over, here in studio with us, Taryn Johnson, fresh off the field. It's all coming your way in our number two here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two on a chilly Wednesday here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you and talking Bills Dolphins as we close in on a game a day earlier. Saturday night, primetime football. It'll be airing on NFL Network if you are outside the immediate Buffalo viewing area. It will be on local channels here in Buffalo, uh, WKBW TV Channel 7 here in Buffalo on Saturday night. Just so you're aware of how to watch. And, of course, you can listen on the Bills Radio Network, which includes WGR 550 here in Buffalo. So, uh, 
Steve, I asked Jason McCourty the question. He couldn't put his finger on it. I'm going to ask you the same question. How in the heck is Miami, when they play at home, a top three defense in points allowed, allowing 15.4 points per game, but on the road this year, they're allowing a league-worst 31.4 points per game. How does that happen? Um, it's such a it's, wide disparity. Yeah, I think it's a number of things, and I think it's—I don't think it's indicative of the, the kind of game they play. Um, I, Two touchdown difference is enormous. Yeah, though. it is, and you could—you can make all the inferences you want, but I, I think it's probably a little bit of it is—is is being at home. They communicate better. They have their protocols better. Um, they played New England at home. They can't score. They played the Bills at home. The Bills only put 19 points up at them. An impressive one was the Bengals. The Bengals scored 27 on them. The Jets, uh, I'm sorry, that's not the Bengals, were on the road. Then they had Minnesota, who could only put 24 up on them. The Steelers can't play offense. And the Browns can't play offense. So is it simple? And the as Texans saying, can't play offense. But that was was that at home? Was yeah. Houston at home? Yeah. Right, Houston. So they had home. a soft home schedule, basically. Yeah. Houston, Cleveland, Pittsburgh this year. Minnesota was a tough game, but they scored twenty four on on the Dolphins. The Buffalo Bills, which in they, you know, got baked, and New England Patriots. It's a soft home schedule, Brownie. Okay. That's on a- the road, let's look at it on the road. They were at Baltimore. Gave up 38. Yeah. And they won. were at Cincinnati, gave up 27. They were at the Jets, gave up 40. They were uh, at How in Detroit. The world? They were at Detroit and gave up 27. They were at Chicago, gave up 32. They were at San Francisco, gave up 33, and at the Chargers and gave up 23. Wow. I mean, you don't have to look much further than that. Wow. It's, even so, I mean, I realize schedule matters, man. No, I know it matters. It shouldn't matter by two touchdowns over the mm. course of a season. Well, here's the thing, too. Usually, in years past, two of those games, most notably the New England Patriots and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, don't go down there and score a combined 17 points. Right. They don't lay an egg. They don't lay eggs. There's two of them. And, it was, you know, there's only, you know, five or six of these games we're talking about. And the Bills underperformed. And the Browns. I think you can say the Bills underperformed with half a roster. That's right, half a roster. And the Browns are scoring 17 points. And then they play the Texans on top of that. So, yeah, it's, that's as much to do with it as anything. I okay. think. All right. I think. That's a pretty good assessment. I'll give that one to you, Steve. Good job. Um, yeah, I, the disparity is – it's – it's big. Like in the, in the span of a season, you don't see wide swings right. like that. Yeah. And, I'll, and the perfect, I'll give you a perfect example. Buffalo, which has had the toughest schedule in football, at home, they have the second best points allowed defense, 14.4 points per game, just ahead of Miami in terms of best home defenses in the NFL. On the road, they're fifth. Now, the number right. goes up, but not, yeah. not, Enormously, Not two touchdowns. It goes from 14.4 points allowed in home games to 18.6 points allowed in road games. It's I a four-point difference. I get it. Four I and a half it, points. I think it's a statistical aberration because of the way their schedule fell, fell and the fact that you've got a couple of teams on there that notoriously are pretty good scorers that didn't score yeah. or having down years. 
And, you know, they're... Yeah, so... Yeah, and they're at Detroit, who's a team that can really score but can't stop anybody. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just... I, that's, to me, that's it. Schedule matters. Schedule that's matters. Your answer. And I'll say this. If going for one step further, and you look at the Buffalo Bills and their schedule, they've had the toughest schedule. I've been, I've been pounding this drum. Yes, you have. Schedule matters. And the Bills are on a four-game four winning streak with, you know, and you, as you mentioned, and rightfully so, I mean, they have scored fewer and fewer points as this, you know, month has gone along. 31 in a win, 28, 28. in a win, 24 in a win, and now 20 in a win this last week against the Jets. Uh, they got hammered earlier, and people were, you know, kind of trying to, you know, they're, you're splitting hairs with this team because they're so good. And now they, you know, they've got a four-game winning streak, and everybody's like deducting from their expectations because of style points. You know, just win, baby. Hey, they won by eight over the Cleveland Browns and the and the Detroit Lions. They did it late. That was a tough game on the road. One by three. The the New England Patriots. They won by fourteen, and it could have been more. They won by fourteen, and it looked it felt like fifty. <laughs> Not only for the Bills fans, but for Patriot fans. And don't forget, they had a 41-yard touchdown call back on a penalty. They were gasping. The Patriots were gasping to stay afloat in that game, and they just couldn't do it. And, of course, the Jet game, you're playing against a top-five defense in cruddy conditions. So you're not going to score 38. So I'm – the st- the thing about this, the, the offense, you know, wow, what are they doing? Oh, my gosh, they signed Cole Beasley and John Brown. Listen, hey, they're – they're the best team in the conference, and they're there for a reason. They played the toughest schedule. They've been as injured as anybody in the league, and they've gotten not only gotten by doing it, they have thrived. I would, I would consider. They were, I'll say it again, they were a quarterback sneak, executing a quarterback sneak for no gain away from being the number one seed. 11 and 2. They're 10 and 3, and they're still the one seed. Yeah. So. Everybody take a deep breath, and let's watch this game this week in a snowstorm together <laughs> with cocoa, hot cocoa. Are there marshmallows? And marshmallows. <laughs> an electric blanket. <laughs> I don't need an electric blanket. I'll be okay. Hey, those are money, man. I got one. Oh, right. they're – use it. They're great. Yeah, they are nice. Uh, my yeah, wife has so, one of those. It's always on high. And I and – I, I, not for nothing – as a player, I remember looking down the road because we did this. We were in this exact scenario with the exact franchise coming down the stretch to win, either to get in or for the division title. Winner gets a home playoff game, probably against the other team. Yeah, and well, it's a yeah, it's a, the, Who the playoffs yet? are a little bit more complex now that there's seven right. teams, and it's a little further down the road than usual. But it's, we're in week fifteen, and. That's what this game is, and I know this is a player. When it saw it coming, you look—you know—we had a bunch of pretty good players in my locker room. You could see it coming. They were let's go. It was this is a this is a big game well, for it, players. You almost treat it like a playoff game itself. Yes, right. Yeah, this is a chance to get in and make a statement about how good you are in that division, and and plus you got a little bit of added fuel for the way that game went last time. I mean, don't let me let me tell you, it's not just the players either. You remember Ken Dorsey's little fit he threw after the Miami game? Oh yeah. You don't think he's thinking about that? Well, I 
I think they felt they were an eyelash away from pulling off what was deemed by many to be an impossible task. Beating a Dolphins team in extreme heat in which players were dropping like flies and they when you only came to the game with like 46 to begin with right. and you lost about eight by halftime and you already had seven starters inactive due to injury. And then you, and then you lose some of the guys that you had starting in the game. Spencer Brown goes down. Uh, one of the guards went down late in the game. Mitch Morse went out of the game for a spell. Isaiah McKenzie's throwing up at halftime. They're getting IVs everywhere. Um, Christian Benford breaks his hand and can only play on special teams. I mean, it was, it was one after another. Poyer and Hyde were both out. And they still almost won the game. Poyer and Hyde were both out. Yep. Tredavious wasn't there. Edmonds. Yeah. Good grief. Yeah, it was a long stretch. They lost by two. I said in my, tr- my mock intro so they that lost they lost by, by three. three. Yeah. There's only two. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Well, it was one of those things like you saw in Animal House. Yeah, he's on a roll. Be quiet. He's on, he's a, on roll. a roll. But <laughs> nevertheless, <laughs> fix that on Twitter or something. <laughs> nevertheless, you're right. I mean, the Bills have every, had every reason to and, – and, you know, they had every excuse, but they also had every reason to be as frustrated as – Ken Dorsey was after that game. Let's not forget this either. And Josh had that one to Isaiah McKenzie that he just missed it. Just missed it. Let's not forget this. Josh Allen threw for 400 yards in that game. Uh, He's probably not going to throw for 400. No, because he had 63 pass attempts. Yes, and and it's going to be 25 degrees and snowing. Right. It's 25 and snowing's cold and bad out. And I'm, I'm going to be sitting up behind Murph in the radio booth. Yeah. I might bring a blanket. I might stuff an electric blanket in my backpack. It's cold, man. It is cold. Uh, we are going to take a break here, though, because when we come back, practice is ended, and we expect to have one Taryn Johnson fresh off the field here in studio next on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And it is that time in the show where we go fresh off the field. And here, fresh off the field, is one Taron Johnson. And he is brought to you by Austin Air, the official clean air provider of the Buffalo Bills. Taron, welcome. Uh, Warming up after a little chilly practice there. Uh, And we were just talking about before we came on the air, it's like old home days right now. I mean, you think about all that. You run down the list. Just from last season to now, Jordan Phillips, Shaq Lawson, uh, A.J. Klein a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. John Brown, now Cole Beasley. Dean Marlowe. Dean Marlowe, Dean Marlowe. I forgot. Good one. I, man, Dean I Marlowe. almost yeah. got the whole yeah. list. Yeah. Dean yeah. Marlowe. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, What's that feel like? Like when you've been, you've been here the whole dang time, yeah, and then yeah, all yeah, it's yeah. like another guy's coming through the door. <laughs> another guy's coming. What's that like? I mean, a little bit of deja vu, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm happy to have all those guys back, though. You know, I feel like obviously they helped us in the past, and I feel like they're going to continue to do that moving forward. Yeah, you got, and you said, I was asking you off the air, you're kind of in your process. You're going day at a time. This, mm-hmm. what happened in week three is kind of yeah. off your radar. You mm-hmm. got this game to think about and yeah. this game plan to get ready for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's just how I, 
I look at every game, you know. Um, the next game is the most important, and this is the next game. So I'm, I'm very excited for it. How Cole looks in practice is going to go a long way in determining whether he's up for Saturday night's game, you know, on the part of the coaching staff, the athletic training staff, what have you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you probably got a few reps against him in mm-hmm. practice today. Does he look like the same old Cole? Or? Uh, to me, he does. You know what I'm saying? He's still got that same quick twitch that, that he's so famous for having. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited that he's back. So hopefully we can uh, get him out there and, and see what he does. You've, you've been around and you've you know, played a bunch and mm-hmm. you've seen these guys come in. Now, what's the most – what's the what you're worried about most when a guy comes off a little cold? Like, you know, John Brown came in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. A.J. Klein came in a couple of weeks ago. Now Cole comes in. Uh, what's the biggest worry for the for – the, you know, for the – I guess the sports science guys, you know, what, what are they worried about with these guys coming in uh, physically? One, um, just making sure that they're not going out there overworking themselves and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know where they were before they were here, you right. know. But uh, just making sure they don't overwork themselves or, or strain something because that's, that's what tends to happen to some guys when they come back after being gone for a minute. That's what happened to Xavier Rhodes, yeah. right? I mean, Xavier came exactly. in popped a hammy and exactly. you know, he had to sit for a while. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I know that Week three is way in the rearview mirror, but you were one of the few guys that played 100% of the snaps yeah. in that cauldron of 120 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you describe what that was like? Because I talked to Greg Rousseau right after that game in mm-hmm. the locker room. Here's a kid that played at the University of Miami. Yeah. Now, they played a lot of their games at 4, mm-hmm. not 1 o'clock, and he yeah. said it's a huge difference, yeah. believe it or not, down there. But he said that was like one of the two hottest games he has ever played in back there in week three where where would you rate it and what was the most challenging thing about those specific conditions I mean it's tough because you're practicing in in Buffalo and around that time it wasn't too uh too hot it was probably around 70 60 degrees yeah you know what I'm saying here here in Buffalo but the humidity is such a difference going to Miami and uh, it, I mean, it's tough. It's hard to breathe. It's it's definitely a difference. But the good thing about it is they got to experience that when they come down here, not uh, just the other way around. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So let. And sorry, Steve. But let's let's move forward now because snow is in the forecast, mm-hmm. even right at kickoff. So if it becomes measurable, um, the challenge for a defensive player like yourself. The offensive player knows where he's going. Yeah. You're in a reactive mode, mm-hmm. obviously, as a cover player. How do you best keep yourself from losing ground when maybe your footing isn't ideal? Like, do you yeah. balance your body differently to cover and plaster as best as you can when there's snow on uh, the ground? Probably not. I okay, mean, you still play the same yeah, way. Yeah, I still, I still play the same way, but definitely there's some challenges with that because you definitely could slip. Could I mean, and that's just... <laughs> That's just part of it. Hopefully yeah. that doesn't happen. Hopefully I don't take that wrong step or anything like that to put myself in a bad position. But just gotta keep playing. So okay. you've been, you've been, you're the nickel corner. Have been. This is your fifth year. Yeah. I mean, you're a fixture now. Yeah. On that group with you know Micah and Jordan and mm-hmm. and Tre'Davious and you know Milano. And, yeah. I mean you're, and you're probably. The, Maybe the only guy who's taken every snap you were supposed to this year. You're mm-hmm. the only guy that's kind of still standing. What a, what is that? Give us an, a, a synopsis of this group this year, your fifth year you're in the mm-hmm. league. How is this team this year different than your four, three, two, and one? Uh, I'd say it's a, it's a huge difference. Um, I'd say this year I've been taking more of a, a leadership role and um, 
just the fact that those guys haven't been on the field, it's been a little different with, with the safeties in the corners, right. just with communication and stuff like that. I mean, not taking any away from those guys because I feel like they've done a good job, you know what I'm saying, uh, with Micah, Poe out, Tredavious out, you know what I'm saying. So those guys came in and, and, and filled in very well. So I'm just happy we got Trey back and, and, and Poe and Matt and – pretty much most of the guys back. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that cohesiveness, we're going to uh, continue to go forward. Mm -hmm. You got a shout-out from one Michael Carter of the Jets, the running back, because he was asked after the game about his fumble play. Mm -hmm. You know, DeMar punched it out there. Yeah. But he said he had a chance for a big play, but he said you made a good read on the play mm -hmm. and screwed it all up, basically, mm -hmm. for him, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which sent him where he went. Mm -hmm. And then he's lunging forward, and that's when Demar punches it out. What walk me through that play um, before the fumble happened? Because um, you got a piece of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically, I'm in the box, uh, kind of like my linebackerish yeah, role, yeah. and uh, I get pullers, and all the other linebackers are out. So it's me and the running back, just basically one on one. I got Dham right behind me. So I mean, I just hit him as hard as I can yeah <laughs> and he he gets I mean he kind of gets over on me a little bit but uh luckily Deham was there to uh finish the play yeah and this is that's one of the things you have been the reason and, and coaches said it a number of times or you know Leslie Frazier said the reason the bills are so because teams have tried to pry you guys out of your nickel package mm -hmm. and Leslie has given you credit that you're the reason they don't have to because of plays like the one we're looking at. I mean, you get it. You're a box safety. Mm -hmm. Actually, you're a box corner. Mm -hmm. And yeah. because of that, because of your ability and willingness to do that, yeah. teams can't don't dictate personnel groups the Bills' defense. And that, yeah. you know, that's, yeah, you dictate to them. Yeah, you mm -hmm. di dictate to them. What does what benefits have you heard Leslie Frazier and those guys talk about that giving you over the course of a season? Why is that important? Uh, I feel like because a lot of times what teams try to do, especially now, is they'll put big people on the field and spread you out. You know what I'm saying? Just trying right. to maybe try to get a small guy on a, on a linebacker or something like that and uh, really just try to pass the ball yeah, on yeah, you yeah. with big personnel. And um, I think I'm I'm pretty uh, physical enough to, to be in there. Obviously, I'm smaller, but I feel like I'm physical enough to play in the box, you know. And uh, if they run the ball with the bigger people versus, I mean, if they're spread out, then obviously I feel like I can That's cover That's your them. matchup. Yeah, 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 exactly. I know – you know, you guys have a lot of respect for this Dolphins offense. It's been high-flying pretty much since after you guys played them the first time and after Tua got back in the lineup. The last two weeks have been a little bit of a struggle for them. So as you're reviewing film mm -hmm. and you see some of these struggles, obviously Coach Frazier handles the game plan and he'll tell you what you guys are going to do. Mm -hmm. But what is the reaction when, you know, you're seeing all these highlights over the six-week stretch when they were on a winning streak – and then you see two games back-to-back -back like this with two very different defensive approaches, by the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, San Fran's playing their zone, and they do their thing, and they win that way. And then the Chargers say, we're going to press them up and go yeah, yeah, yeah. and shut off everything in the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. When you see two different approaches work, I'm just curious, like, how do you process all of that? Like, oh, these guys stopped them with this. These guys stopped them with that. Like, mm -hmm. there's a whole different – there's a menu of options, yeah. it seems. Yeah, yeah, how do yeah. you interpret, like, that stuff? I mean, you just – you take – you watch the film, and you just take what you learn from, from what those two teams did. And even the teams previous that had maybe some success against them, you know. So, really just taking what we learned, even our game, what we learned from our game and just taking with it and just trying to tweak some things to, get, to be better at it. 
Gotcha. Well, it's good having you on. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming in after practice. Most uh, definitely. Congratulations on a great season. I'm glad you – it's got to feel good that you're the one guy who's been on the field. I don't think you're, – you're the only guy out in the back seven who's missed – who's not missed any time. Is that right? Yeah, uh, thankfully. I'll knock on wood for you. For sure. We know how important you are out there. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the time, Taryn. Mm -hmm. We appreciate it. We're going to turn now to the post-practice podium where Cole Beasley is addressing the media. Let's go there now. I just knew I still wanted to play. Um, you know, the the retirement was more of um, it wasn't the situation I thought it was going to be going to Tampa. Um, so all I knew was uh, that wasn't where I wanted to be. So um, went home from there. But you know, I've I've still been working out. Still wanted to play. Um, reached out to Brandon. You know, I did. I didn't like the way things ended here. Um, I told him that and. You know, when I first got here, uh, my, me and my family fell in love with this place. So um, just wanted to get back to that and uh, end it off right. Why did it um, A lot of different reasons. Um, you know, as we know, you know, last two years uh, were, were difficult on everybody. Um, but, you know, I don't really want to go into all the things that we talked about um, with uh, me and Brandon and, and Coach McDermott, but, you know, there needed to be some conversations there that, that we needed to have. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just happy that, you know, we all could do that um, as men and, and, uh, and talk about it and resolve issues. Now that that's taken place, mm -hmm. as you rejoin teammates and, and join the team out here, do you have a sense that, that all of that is kind of behind you guys? Does anything linger? Oh, yeah, for sure, no. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I would be here if it, if it were. So, um, you know, and I never, there was, there was never any problem with, with teammates in the locker room. Love these guys to death. They were, we've been talking the whole season. Um, I, I've missed them so much. You know, the bond that I built, I built with these teammates here are, are any bond with any team that I've, that I've ever been. I mean, I only played for two, but, um, you know, it's a different team every year. Uh, I played seven with the Cowboys, but the three here just left uh, a huge mark on me. And, and you know, it's hard being away from the guys. Are you surprised that your free agent market wasn't stronger? Like, I'm sure you left here thinking you were going to be in a camp pretty soon, right? Yeah, well, there were opportunities, um, just not the ones that I really wanted. Um, so, I mean, was I surprised a little bit? Yes. Um, but... You know, it, it is what it is. Um, but I'm happy to be back here. Uh, I feel like this is the place I belong. Um, you know, being somewhere different for a little bit, it just didn't, it didn't feel right to me. So um, I'm, I'm glad to be back here with, with all the guys I'm familiar with. And um, you know, I miss them to death, so it's awesome. Yeah, no, that's 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 a great question because you know when you when you re retire, you know there's there's a lot of things to think about and um, you know a lot of you know thought about the past and and what happened or how someone should have handled things, you know. And um, there were a lot of things that I want back, um, and you know it's it's hard to to sit there and. and watch people play in a game you love when you still you know have the drive to do that um like i was retired but it 
I didn't want it that way. So it was it was it was hard just watching football every week and especially seeing the guys. I miss being you know just the this warm ups like. That's some of my favorite times, uh, just with the guys in the locker room getting ready for the game. I just miss that so much, and um, and then just playing the game itself. But yeah, you, you definitely think about a lot of things, and it puts things into perspective for you, and um, it's a humbling experience for sure. Um, yeah, it's hard to see everything um, watching it on TV. So I mean, it wasn't it wasn't any I could I would have done this or I could have done that. It wasn't that, but I watched them every week. I watched the Cowboys every week too. You know, just because there's guys I still talk to from there as well. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely kept um, track of everybody and just you know loved to watch the games because we would talk about it. Um, I would talk about it with some of the players. Like I said, I was constantly talking to everybody here um, the whole season. So. Uh, I don't know. You know, is is kind of see how I feel today, and um, you know, we'll see where everything goes. But I don't, I don't have too much information on that right now. So. How about in terms of, you know, you said I think Brandon mentioned you were playing some basketball, you've been working out, yeah. trying to keep in shape, and obviously you would have familiarity with it. How often, how familiar is this offense to you within all of that? Too. It's yeah, it's still it's still the same. They just call plays a little differently, but it's um, terminology still the same and. It's just really getting used to hearing everything again, and, and you know there's a lot of moving parts uh, that you have to listen to with motions and stuff, and, and that changes where you are in the formation. So it's just getting getting back used to hearing everything and then lining up. But um, the offense is, is still the same, and you know my my first five or six years in the league, that's you know training. All I used to do was I would work out for like an hour and a half, and I would play pickup basketball. I wouldn't touch a route the whole off season until OTAs. Um, that's how I trained my first six years. So, because it's, I mean, really, I played quarterback in high school. So me playing the slot was all just from from playing basketball. I was just trying to figure out how to get open. Um, so a lot of it comes from that. So from a physical standpoint, you feel like you were game ready. Oh yeah, yeah. I would. Well, that's another reason why I played basketball. Because I remember in high school going from football to basketball, I'd be dying on the court at first. You know, you wouldn't think it was that much different, but. And I ran a lot in high school uh, playing football, so and you wouldn't think it was that big of a difference, but it's definitely a different, you know, conditioning. Conversations with Brandon and Sean, mm -hmm. kind of talking through some things. You were pretty polarizing with the fan base too at times. Yeah. What's your message to them? I mean, there's a lot of people that supported you, some that maybe were frustrated at times. What's your message to all of them? Coming back? Yeah, no, I, I love the fan base here. There was um, there were some times last year where where. I would get some stuff from people, and it would be a little frustrating just because you know before it was it wasn't like that. So it was a change, you know. And nobody's perfect, you know. I didn't handle everything how you know how I wanted to, and you know a lot of that was was a big reason I wanted to come back as well. You know, I got um, I don't know. It's it's really the internet world, you know, with that because outside of there, it was nothing you know negative for the most part. Um, and, you know, most of it was just thinking about my kids and, you know, them having to deal with things, too. I mean, there was a there was a time last year and it really it really killed me. And uh, I think uh, my son, you know, there was a there was a kid that came up to him and and uh, told him that he couldn't come to his his birthday party because his mom didn't like me. And my son had no idea what they have no idea what's going on. I don't I don't we don't talk about anything 
political or anything. You know, they're, he's, he was seven years or seven or six years old, seven years old at the time. And, uh, you know, we didn't involve them in that. So him hearing something like that, it was just like he had no idea why, though, you know. So it was it was difficult, man. Um, like I said, I just want to, wanted to right a lot of wrongs around here and um, be with the teammates and play football again and, and just get back to football. I don't understand. I don't understand what you're asking. Um, just in those conversations with Brandon and Sean, yeah. did anything change your perspective of how things ended here? Well, well, yeah. You know, there was, like I said, there was a lot of things that you know I wish I could have done differently. So we we talked about a few of those things and uh, got it sorted out. I was just gonna say, Isaiah said uh, something like, "The floor is all yours." Coming back. You, you play this slot position, and mm -hmm. it seems to me like that's still a hard thing for teams to find, the guys that can really play that. Do you believe you bring something different in that sense that they as talented as the other guys are, mm -hmm. that maybe is missing or that you feel it fits you the best? Uh, well, you know, they've done a good job. It's not like, you know, they're I mean, they're 10-3 and three right now, right? So, I mean, it's not like... It's, I'm coming to a bad football team. I mean, they're they're good in all areas, but um, like like you said, I have I have played it for a long time. I got a good understanding for defenses and and how they work, and I know how to manipulate defenders and, and um, create more space within whatever defense they're they're playing. Um, and I've I've been able to do that for a long time with playing quarterback. My dad was my head coach. Um, so I had a good knowledge of coverages and how they worked early, and not everybody gets to grow up like that and, you know, have your dad behind you kind of, kind of schooling you up on everything. So um, I feel like I can do that better than anyone, um, you know, as far as reading coverages and, and adapting and reacting to, to what they're doing um, and then controlling how they play it. So, um, you know, I feel like I can still do that for sure. All right, that's Cole Beasley addressing the media, clearly um, humbled by the way his tenure ended with the Bills and, you know, all of the engagements he had on social media dealing with the COVID situation. And it looks like he really did want to atone for a lot of that stuff in coming back to the team. He said himself he wasn't happy with the way it ended. Yeah, I, I get it totally, Even, not just for him, but for his family as well and his football career. And um, he had too many – I think he had probably had too many good times. You could tell by the things he was saying about the players and the games that he had too many good times here uh, both on the field and with his family and professionally and personally to see it end the way it did and just just not, just not come back. Yeah. Um, so it's I, I'm sure he's very anxious to come in and uh, and gain some – good feelings back about how it was here in Buffalo. Certainly sounds like he has the right mindset going forward now, and we'll see where it goes, whether he plays this week or whether it has to wait until next week. Either way, Cole Beasley back in the fold. We'll take a break here. When we come back, Josh Allen addressing the media. We'll get his thoughts on the upcoming game Saturday night against the Dolphins next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. <laughs> All right, back here on One Bills Live, going straight to the post-practice podium once again. This time, it's Josh Allen addressing the media. 
Well, it was, uh, it's good to have him back. Obviously, uh, we've missed him. Um, just his presence, you know, everybody in the locker room loves that guy. Um, you know, I kind of found out about it last week. Uh, Bean kind of told me, like, hey, we're thinking about doing this. Um, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm all for it, and I know that the guys in the locker room would feel the same way. Um, so, yeah, happy to be back. You had a great connection, though. 82 receptions his last two years were here, so obviously you've got a nice feel for him. Do you expect you could pick that up relatively quickly here if he gets on the field? I, I definitely think so. I think, you know, the rapport that we've had with each other the last few years, um, again, the communication that, you know, he sees the field like a quarterback when he's out there, you know, especially in zone coverages and just being able to trust him. And uh, Obviously, it's, gonna, it's not going to be perfect right away, uh, but to, to kind of go back and maybe sit down and, and watch some film and just talk about some different things maybe that we're doing. Um, again, I don't know if he's playing or not. I don't know really what the plan is. Um, but if he's ready to go, we'll be ready to go with him. Um, and that, yeah, that's it. What did you see from him on the practice field today? You think he's ready to go out there this week if given the opportunity? I, I mean, I, I think so. That's I think that is, uh, remains to be seen. I think it's really relying upon him and how he's feeling too. Um, don't want to rush somebody out there, and especially if you know, not sure what the game plan is and, and things of that nature. So, again, just making sure that we have the ultimate trust uh, when we put him out there. He knows what's going on, and I got – no, no, no doubt that he does, but um, again, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. This morning, he said that, that Cole is unique and that he sees the field like you do. Um, now, I think I understand that. Can you kind of take me inside that, though, how it actually applies, you know, within game and, and leads to maybe some of the success? That you yeah, have? when it comes to zone coverages, like he he knows where defenders should be at. He knows leverages. Uh, he knows what windows that I'm looking at. Um, and he's just got such a good feel. You know, if he if he's not seeing me, he's going to find a window where he can see me. And um, again, just smart where he, he knows when it's man, it's zone. We run different concepts with him uh, because he can, again, he can read basically two guys at one time, um, which not everybody can do. It's not the easiest thing. Um, but definitely some concepts that maybe we'll bring back if he's if he's back. But Again, who knows if that's going to happen. So it's been difficult to replace that, obviously, taking nothing away from anyone else. And obviously, you're dealing with an injury with, with Jamison. But as you look at running this offense, to have that element back, how valuable is that relative to, to everything that you guys try? To yeah, do? well, I think our guys have been doing a really good job. I think, um, you know, obviously, Isaiah, you know, taking advantage of some, some man-to-man reps inside, uh, running away from guys. And that's, that's, what he's, that's what he's really good at. Throwing Steph in the slot a few times um, this season has been – uh, really beneficial for us as well too, um, but you know it's just another option for us. You know, for for him to go out there and be an extension of the run game. Um, maybe do some, again, just some some older concepts that uh, maybe we haven't ran that much this year. Um, but again, I think I think we feel comfortable with where we're at with him and and uh, with the other guys that we got going. As you've looked at the tape this week of the Dolphins, what is different about their front now with Bradley Chubb in the mix? Um, again, I th- they're they're playing really well. I think um, Phillips is playing at a high level right now. Obviously, bringing in and trading for a guy like Bradley Chubb, who's you know one of the premier pass rushers in the league. Um, their safety number eight Holland is uh, flying around. He makes a lot of plays. He's their captain. Um, makes all their calls for them, and he's he's flying around. He's a he's a heck of a young talent too. And again, they they do such a good job of getting to the quarterback and making um, making it hard 
for for the quarterback to see things and they're you know bringing pressure from this way and bringing it from that way and um, again we just got to be on our p's and q's understand our base rules um, and I got to be uh, spot on with protection and, and if we're going to make any adjustments to their pressure they were after him almost every snap are you expecting that you're going to probably see something like that I mean I'd like to say yes but who who knows um, you know these division games especially when you play teams twice and we've played we've played them a lot um, you know and they they know us and we know them and I you know I I can sit here and say they're going to bring zero every play and they might not bring it at all and so again we're going to have to adjust in game and, and feel the flow of what what their game plan is going to be um, but again that first few drives would be a fill out process and just kind of understand you know again trust in my eyes trust in the protection trust in the the rules that we have and um, again making adjustments as we go. It is going to be a cat and mouse game with that Dolphins defense. You know, they brought pressure a good amount of the time back in week three, and Josh was killing them with the checkdowns. Absolutely killing them. Yeah. Um, Singletary had like seven, eight catches in that game because he kept utilizing the checkdown options. Cook had a couple of catches in that game, too, and he took a lot of the short dump off stuff. And at the end of the day, he's got 400 yards passing. Yeah, it was a big day for Josh. They had a ton of snaps in that game, too, yeah. and they dominated time of possession. And it, it and actually, ironically, I think that cost them because they were out there so much uh, in the heat. They never got a chance to recover, and, and uh, the Bills' defense really did a nice job on the Dolphins as well. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see this game. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see you tomorrow with Field Yates and Thurman Thomas.